Hello, I'm Mick McAvoy and welcome to Guru Guide How to Pitch, part of the Guru Live Online 2022 programme, which is a joint initiative between BAFTA Scotland and BAFTA Cymru, where all week we will be celebrating and hopefully um, inspiring the next generation of talent with panels, masterclasses and discussions. So before we begin proper, some housekeeping. Uh, these virtual events are part of BAFTA's learning work to share expertise from film, games and television with audiences far and wide. So please check out BAFTA.org and BAFTA's social channels for more activity and news. Uh, you can also join the conversation as long as you're polite and nice on social using um, hashtag GuruLive. You can ask your questions, so please ask questions. It'll be really helpful, and I think um, helpful for everybody else. Please send them in via the Q&A function on Zoom, which is at the bottom of your screen. Um, closed captioning is available now, which you can turn on at the bottom of the screen as well. So please now welcome our speakers. Um, today, we're really, really pleased to say that we've got Claire Zolkver, who is the Managing Director of Thunderclap Media. Before that, she was a commissioning editor for comedy and entertainment at ITV, and she commissioned mega hits such as Celebrity Juice, Towie, and The Jonathan Ross Show. And before that, she worked on little programs such as I'm a Celeb and Big Brother. So really, really pleased to have Claire with us today. I'm also joined from the world of drama, Steph Fife, who is the assistant commissioner for BBC Drama. Before that, she was a script editor on River City and Logan High. And before that, well, in between those times, she's also been a development exec. So I'm joined by people who take pitches and who have had the joy of having to pitch, which is um, an emotional roller coaster in itself. So thanks very much, Claire and Steph, for joining us. Thank so you. It's that kind of, this is one of those horrible questions, but it's, and I'll, I'll go to you first, Claire. It's it's about the, 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 the aspect of what is an idea. And if you're a commissioner, what's the difference between a concept and a fully fledged TV idea? Well, I think, I think obviously lots of different genres have different approaches to this, but I think fundamentally the difference between an, a concept and an idea is the how to make it, ha how to make it happen. So um, um, if you take um, I'm a celebrity as an example, you know, like um, we, we've got we've got some celebs in the jungle and they're going to compete to get out. That doesn't tell you anything about what the idea is that could go a million different ways. So I think a fully fledged idea would contain the Bush Tucker trials, the, the voting, the elements that make it particular that particularly that programme. Would you also at that stage would you be um, looking for kind of examples of the casting that you would have in it, you know, to give a sense of that idea? I think that depends um, on, I think I think examples are really good. I was thinking about that actually about whether to, when when is it right to attach somebody to a project? And I think it really depends what stage you are with your conversations with a channel because um, what you don't want to do is become so embroiled in in an, in attaching the wrong person, mm -hmm. um, so that your idea, unless, unless 
unless that idea is so much that person, in which case that's fair enough. But if you're attaching somebody to an idea, I wouldn't do that without consultation with the channel, really. I would just put in an idea, some ideas that you think would float their boats, rather than saying we've definitely got, um, I don't know, um, Mick, Steph and Claire, uh -huh. um, and, and they're absolutely committed because if, um, if um, BBC Scotland wants Mick and Steph and they hate me and you've got me embroiled in the idea mm -hmm. and suddenly, you know, that I, I'm not able to, it, it'd be difficult to unravel me from that. Mm -hmm. No, no, completely, completely understand that. And Steph, in the world of drama, I, yeah. I'd imagine this is even more crucial because um, it's that when does an idea become a con a concept? Yeah, well, I mean, a concept in drama is quite often just the seeds, the very beginning. So someone might be talking about a territory they're interested in exploring or a character they want to develop a show around. But when it comes to what's the idea, we've thought about kind of emotional arcs and the narrative journey, what, what journeys we're taking specific characters on what we want the audience to feel, who the audience is. So it, it's really just going into the nitty gritty, whereas the concept is just the very beginnings of the territory that we want to talk about. Um, and I think it it's very easy to have a concept and think that that's the idea and that's you're ready to go. But actually, most of the time, what we're dealing with when we're talking about pitching and getting back to people is we need to have a really clear idea of what it is that you want to do in order to give you a clear answer and um, quite often just going on a concept is is not really enough in the world of um television development one thing and I've, I've worked in development for a long time but one thing that is constantly almost forgotten and it's people out there will be astonished to hear this is that i've often found that we often don't hear or pitch what's actually going to be. What what will you see? So I sometimes say to people, why is this idea not on the radio? What, what, what would we actually see? So Claire, what do you as a commissioner, what do you need to know about the actual, what you would actually see on screen in order to get you interested? I think that's where people's um, documents or um, decks, as people like to call them now, um, and tasters come into uh, come in to help that because actually that's a real opportunity to show the style and vision that you have. Um, and I think that um, you've got to imagine that every step along that way is is selling that idea. And so if you've if you've got a really um, a really loud idea that you're selling with just text and and you know a couple of photographs, it's going to be very difficult for a commissioner to understand what your vision is, and that's essentially what the pitch is. And I think that um, the other the the, the the tone of what I, I'm I'm. I'm very much uh, led by tone of things. And I think the more that you can get the tone of what you're trying to sell across, the better. Um, and you can do that in a whole manner of different ways, both what the idea is 
and what you what, what colours you use, what pictures you use, um, all, all those different things I think are really helpful in, in uh, getting the commissioner to understand what it is that you are bringing, because essentially, um, as a commissioner, um, you're, you're not just selecting the idea, you're selecting who's going to make it and your your credibility as a as as a person to push that vision through to completion is really important from uh, every step along the way i think that's interesting because actually we, we call them decks now which is interesting but in the last five six years it does feel as though there's been a bit of a revolution in how we we place our ideas. It used to be there was it would be a two-page treatment that'd be in Microsoft Word. It'd have a nice font and have three pictures at the top and a picture of your main talent. And now we actually have you know uh, PowerPoint presentations, which you know we get. You know, development teams usually employ really good people, people with good graphic design skills on them now. And it tell, especially in the Netflix world, it gives you an idea of. The kind of the ambition, the look, you know, the visuals of it, even even the font can give, you know, I've just finished working on a documentary about uh, Muhammad Ali, and it was that we really had to work hard on how the kind of the look of that film on paper, even before we got it uh, commissioned and up and running. So, Steph, in the world of drama treatments, and drama treatments yeah. are quite they're quite complicated beasts as well because I, I presume story comes first yeah how much of the visuals now and a part of that well what's really interesting is I think in drama we are just much more about the purity of the idea so whilst sometimes these documents are brilliant at building tone which is so important and giving us an idea of the world we're going to be in I think really if if I was being honest, what what's much more likely to kind of get through is just the words on the page. So I would always say to people, you know, a straightforward word document, five to eight pages, obviously it can be a bit longer if you're introducing a kind of mythology or a specific type of world that we don't understand straight away. For us, really, the idea needs to speak for itself and all the other elements can come later. We can talk about the look and the feel and the cast further down the line, but to get onto the development slate initially, we're really just looking for the idea and the voice. So it really comes down to the writing. So if you're an established writer who's had their own shows on and, and we know who you are and we know what you can deliver, that's maybe, you know, just a treatment, just a pitch, could even err towards more of that concept area we were in earlier. But if you're a new writer or you're coming to us with a newer talent, we would want a kind of more fleshed out document. You need to convince us more, basically. And also what I would say is really crucial at that point is a sample script. So as you can have a brilliant idea, but we need to know that you can write, that you can that you have a, a sense of voice that's going to bring an audience, that you can build characters and, and that those are characters we can engage with across the script. So... For drama, it's, it's probably, you know, it's just the pure, simple writing that, that really takes precedent at this point. I think that's really interesting, isn't it? Because obviously in, in, non, in the non-scripted world, the producer has so much more influence and in the look and feel, whereas in drama, the director might not be attached at that stage. So it makes yeah. it 
sense that uh, that's not there. Interested to know, because I think more and more, because we, we live in a world of um, EPGs and, you know, and also you go onto an SVOD and the there's a, there's a tagline on the, the home screen that, you know, draws people in and the image um, is often very important that uh, draws people in. But Steph, in the world of drama, do you look for, in the beginning of a treatment, are you looking for a really good tagline, like the billings, you know, the idea that could be summed up in like three lines? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is really useful. I would say when you when you open a document, if you've got a sentence up top that just gives you straight away a flavour of the world, who it's about, what it's about, that's invaluable because it means when I'm having conversations then with the team around me, I can sell it like that and it's always just really useful to have it in that kind of compact pitch. But don't get too bogged down in it because I know that people can be really terrified of log lines. Um, so whilst it's really useful, as long as we're getting an idea of the world and the character and everything in the document itself, it's it's not the be all and end all, but, but it is really handy to be able to condense it. And it's also a really good exercise because if you've got a really clear idea that works, you should kind of be able to put it into a sentence or two. Do you think about that, Claire? Do you think it's grown in importance in the world of entertainment and unscripted? Well, I think the, the, the reality is, is we've all become more savvy um, to just um, the, 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 the kind of marketing that's a, a um, that's put towards us, then yes, I think that is much more, use, you know, we're, we're able as programme makers to see what marketing or logline or, you know, descriptive uh, thing might work and imagine it. I, I, I was thinking there that um, a bit like um, education's gone much more, um, you know, in terms of individual learner needs and all that. I, I think that is very much the case when it comes to who best can do it. And that will depend on your way of thinking. And then in, a, in amongst that, you've also got to take into account the person that's that you're hoping is going to read it and buy it. So there's these two sort of individual um, ways of being. So if, if, if log lines are your um, absolute um, favourite thing to do, then make sure you've got a fantastic logline. If it's not, and um, you know, um, a storyboard of the title sequence would be better. Then, then I think anything that 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 expresses your idea as individual. I, I mean, not because often we're working collaboratively, but as individually for that idea as possible. I think that's the, the tools that you want to use. So that's a bit of a mean, it's a bit of a wishy-washy answer, but I really believe it actually. It's all about more bespoke. So see, we've got our concept and um, we've, we want to turn it into a fully formed idea. And I bore everybody by saying the phrase, no idea is born beautiful. Um, what do you think, before we're going to, going to take it on to, to the a pitch meeting, what do you need to do to an idea, Claire, to actually form it into, a, I suppose, a, 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 you know, a form that is ready to be viewed by a commissioner? I heard, um, it, it was a, a writing event, but I heard Julian Fellow speak many, many years ago about how he never asks his 
uh, friends and family what they think of an idea. He asks them what they don't understand. And he gets a much, because basically if you ask your friends and family what you think of an idea, oh, it's great, or oh, I don't know. You know, like it's very difficult for them to give a, an answer to that. Whereas if you ask somebody what they don't understand, that is much easier for them to, to express. And, and I'm saying that because I think that asking the questions of the idea, whether you're able, you ask it as many questions as you can to um, get clarity of it, but then also before you're pitching, ask people that haven't ever heard it before and what didn't you understand and come up with the answers for as many things that will make it as clear and understandable as humanly possible because ultimately that's what we do in television is we take complex ideas and we take people the audience on a journey and help them understand things whether it be in drama or, or non-scripted things so I think um, I've got a whole set of questions that I ask any idea that I've got, um, which is just for me. They're daft things that I know work for me. And then I'll ask other people what, what they don't understand, but really interrogate the idea by asking if you know all the answers to random questions. And, and sometimes you won't have worked everything out, you know, like... Like sometimes you'll be pitching things because you've got a meeting with a commissioner three weeks earlier than you thought you were, or you've been doing something else. You haven't got this quite ready. Um, and, and that's when asking as many questions of it and answering as many questions of it as you can is really important. And if there's big ones that you can't answer, then it's probably not ready to pitch. What are the kind of questions you you do? You have a kind of default question that you you usually ask first. I I because I love you know the marketing, so I always try and imagine what the marketing would look like. I always I see things in colours, so for me it's really helpful to imagine what colour this program is, which sounds ridiculous to people that don't understand that, but for me that makes sense. Um, I, I imagine where, uh, what other programs on the channel, it might sit alongside. Um, I will ask it, um, you know, what, what sort of size of program is it comparable to? You know, is it an I'm Celebrity, which is probably one of the most expensive shows on, uh, certainly non-scripted, or is it more like, um, you know, come down with me or something, you know, ha ha understand what, uh, what its place in the world is. Um, so, yes, yeah, questions like that. And Steph, uh, going back to your um, development days, what, what, what was the process you would involve yourself in and you would um, take on in order to take something from concept to what was kind of more commissioner ready? Yeah, I think it's just really important to think about your audience. So who, who you want to speak to and what it is you're trying to say and the, the age-old question, why now? Like, why is it you're telling this story now? What truth does it speak about the world we're living in now? And... What, what's it got to say and what's it going to get people thinking and talking about? Um, I think also, obviously, character is a huge one. You need to really interrogate your characters and 
you know, similar, like, similar to what Claire was saying, drama, kind of the, anyone who's trained in drama will know there's sort of 10 questions you ask about your characters, what they want and what they need and all these things. And, and to go away and do that with all your characters is really important so that you really understand who these people are. And when you're talking about their motivations and their turning points, everything feels very authentic to that character. And I think from a commissioner's perspective as well, when you're reading a treatment or a pitch, character authenticity is so important. You can really tell if people have gone away and done that work or if they've just, if they're telling you a story that they think suits a channel, suits a specific kind of genre, but it doesn't necessarily feel truthful. I think it always comes back to making sure your idea is really truthful really authentic to the writer and to the audience that you're trying to engage with. And I've always found it interesting in the world of drama because I think in, in British drama especially there does seem, there's you know, there's a bit of world building or you're placing those characters in certain worlds and I suppose there, there's trends for you know places like going back to a video Taggart was Glasgow, you know, yeah. Glasgow was the main character in Tiger, God bless it, God rest its soul. Mm -hmm. um, but how much is, how important still is the world that you place in? Because it's interesting, that Line of Duty almost exists in a world that doesn't have geography, it's a, yeah. a city, and that's that's all we know. Yeah, I think at the moment, um, we, one of our kind of big, um, passions and, and something that we're trying really hard to do is making sure that we're working with a really broad range of writing talent across the UK and that we're representing lots of different parts of the UK. So world is really important. I think the more specific something can feel, the more relatable that story is and the more universal. Um, and that's actually what is really different, I think, about British TV most of the time it really does have authorship at the kind of heart and soul of it. Whereas a lot of TV shows that we watch on Netflix and stuff, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're amazing and entertaining, but they don't, often they don't have that same sense of specificity when it comes to the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we're more and more interested in. We really want to tell specific stories about people that we don't understand and see on screen all the time. So I'd say that's more and more becoming really, really important and really key and something to keep in mind when you're pitching an idea. And that kind of leads you into that slightly trickier um, aspect of, because you said that, you know, one of the big questions you've got to ask is why now? Yeah. And I sometimes think that in development, we forget to ask the why me as well before we take it in as that is like, if I, you know, if I was a, I had a, an idea about a drama and it's about, you know, you know, a, a, a person's journey who is just you know, not a white middle-aged man, although I'm yeah. very young middle-aged, but, uh, you know, it's like there is a sense of I shouldn't be, I definitely get a sense I shouldn't be writing, attempting to write from a minority perspective, you mm. know. So how, how do you, when you're looking for ideas in those worlds that, you know, are underrepresented. Yeah. Do you need to be reassured about when it comes to that authenticity of who, who, you know, who's bringing that story to you? Yeah, I think where possible, that's always the ideal scenario is that you find a writer or a team who, are, who know the world that they're writing about. That's really important. And that's like, I, I work with, part of my job is with the writer's room. 
Um, so I sit across writers room and drama commissioning. And I, I'm always saying to writers, just you need to make sure that you have your own story and your, your own unique voice, because that's what makes you different to everybody else. And that's that you're the only person that can tell that story. So in terms of for, from both points of view, it's really important when you're developing stuff, you want to be developing programs with writers who know the world because it makes the development process so much easier. But as a commissioner, when you're reading ideas, it's just really clear immediately if something is authentic or not. And often the worlds that we know less about, when you open a script or you open a treatment and you read and you really feel transported to that place, it's magical and it doesn't happen all the time. And it, it just makes it so important to have the right people in the right positions because they can do that. And, and we couldn't impose that on a piece of writing the way that people with the the lived experience can. And Claire, I suppose, I know, I know that there is a, a why me issue, I think, in unscripted as well, because, and, and that sometimes it may not uh, link into who people are, but it could be the passion that they have for the subject or just the, the knowledge, because I think entertainment especially, you know, there's so many format points and you've got to really love that to be able to wrestle with it for a while. So how, how important is the why me in, in that area of commissioning? Well, I, I think actually um, it, it is really important, but I'm not sure that it happens at the commissioning stage quite as much, uh, perhaps, as the, the authorial... Have I just made up a word there? I think I <laughs> The author's view... I, I like it. It's a good word. <laughs> um, because I think actually what, what because there's the 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 crass and uh, reality of entertainment uh, television is that it's very commercial, um, and and you know every commission is an act of bravery, even although that might not be how it feels from the other side, but it is, and I think that actually the 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 why me is about making sure that you're taking your idea and if you're. If you're um, newer to the industry, that you're taking your idea in with the right set of people who have the credibility from the sort of production point of view um, and that you feel that you can work with them. Because I'm not entirely convinced that somebody sits in a, in a bedroom or, uh, you know, on, on Zoom coming up with a big entertainment idea. And, and and gets it commissioned from there. I think what's much more liable to happen is that they are um they they might sell that option to a company that has um previous experience of of making those sorts of shows and then and then that that's a different um negotiation, isn't it? You're 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 finding people that you feel that you can work with and that aren't that are going to um, amplify your idea rather than um, than, than um, dilute it, um, but I think that is much more the case in the in the uh, crass. Um, not, not, not that drama isn't commercial, but I think there's a there's a veneer on drama that makes it and this this need for um, for underrepresented voices. I think it's a really good time to be sitting at home writing a script, isn't it? 
whereas I'm not entirely convinced that that would be a direct approach from um, from uh, an entertainment or fact end point of view. Having said that, I'm sure there's lots of people that have done it that way, you know, because of course, for every time I say something that the opposite will absolutely happen. Um, but I do think it's probably worth finding the right companies to help you navigate that if you're new to the world. Oh, completely. Now, before we go into the world of the, the kind of the physical pitching, I thought it may be helpful to actually understand, you know, what the commissioner, you know, before you open the door and you go into the, well, if you ever get into an office again, to go in and actually face a commissioner, what is their existence like in that? So, Claire, could you tell us, yeah, I think sometimes you, you, you even, even people that experience development think, I'm going to go and talk to this commissioner who is just waiting for a great idea. <laughs> and they're just waiting, straight but and they, they're, they're, they'll see my idea in a vacuum and they'll be really appreciated it. But Claire, what is the kind of environment that a commissioner exists in, the pressures they're under, and the kind of the ideas, the flood of ideas that they kind of, the torrent that they face each week? Well, I, th I think, you know, I don't do that anymore. And, and let's face it, in lots of ways, those, it, it is not easier, but it comes with different stresses from coming up with ideas. There's no shadow of doubt about that. I think the reality is that their commissioners are sitting there waiting for a great idea. I mean, there's I can't imagine any commissioner not wanting a great idea to walk into into the room. But the reality is is that ideas are a bit like a curved jar, curve, a bell curved jar. There are very, very few terrible ideas and there are very, very few brilliant ideas. And there's a myriad of, you know, all right ideas and they're much more difficult to decide between, aren't they? The, the reality yeah. is, is, you know, oh, those apples or those pears, well, uh, you know, I'll get a bit of feeding nonetheless, whereas the, the really brilliant ideas, they totally stand out. And um, so I think that, funny enough, I think that often people think commissioners don't want good ideas and they can't see it coming and all that. Um, but the, uh, just be odd. I've never met a commissioner and I certainly, every pitch I listened to, was desperate for it to be something new and interesting that we hadn't seen before. And it happened, I was very, very lucky. It happened to me two or three times, uh, you know, and I, I that that was an amazing experience. But the, the, the life of a commissioner in the UK is very, very busy. It's, um, you know, it, it's when I started commissioning, the guy that brought me in, Paul Jackson, amazing man, mm -hmm. he um, told me that the job was selection and quality control. So, and that, I think that's a really clear way of explaining what commissioning is. So you're not only selecting ideas and championing them through the system of the channel that you're working in, which means that you've got to, you know, whatever questions the commissioners ask, their bosses and other people around them and commercial teams and business people and marketing people are going to be asking them all questions about this idea too. 
but you also, uh, you know, quality controlling it through. So at any one time when I when I was at ITV, I would probably have about I don't know eight to fifteen things that were in were in production that I was being asked, you know, asked to sign off on things, whether it be an edit or go to a studio or sign off on cast or whatever, plus the day-to-day the, the -day of finding new ideas. So um, it's a busy life. It is definitely, um, it is charmed in some ways and that you're not having to sell. So that 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 is charmed. But I think people realize quite how busy it is um, and that um, the sifting through a hundred ideas of which very few sit at the edges is much more complex than um, than just saying your idea is fantastic. I'll give you a hundred of them. <laughs> Make them great. That's it. I'll see you in five months when <laughs> it's on the telly. So, Steph, in the world of drama, how would you describe a commissioner's, um, you know, day-to-day -day existence? Yeah, I think it's it's it sounds similar in that you're just very busy and you have a lot of different things to think about. So pitching and ideas is a huge part of it and it's kind of the beginning of the cycle but then there's also active development so we have a slate of projects and development that have come through that pitching process and we have to be on top of what's happening with them so they'll be re-delivering every so often and we'll be having meetings and giving notes on the direction of travel those projects are in and then we're also pitching forwards to our kind of head of channel and, and and deciding whether or not something's going to be green lit. And then there's obviously also things in production. So there's meetings going on in those things. And as Claire was saying, there's, there's, you know, all different teams involved in those conversations. So pitching is, is the beginning, the very beginning, and it's what we do on a regular basis, but there's a whole other part of the job that comes after that. That's just carrying on. And, um, and yeah, I think going coming from a development background and coming into commissioning it is really interesting because I think I thought, this is going to be great. Like, I'm just going to make the decisions now and I'm not going to have to do any of the really hard stuff of thinking of things. But it is really difficult when you're faced with great ideas and you have to be the person to say, is this the right fit? Is this right for our audience? Because at the BBC, we are we serve our audiences. They are kind of masters of of what we are doing. So it's it's a it's a weighty decision to be making. Is this the right thing for our audience? And also, you have to take into account all the other projects that are on all the other commissioners' slates and make sure there's no clashes and make sure that we're not currently working something up that's in a similar territory. And you have to be across other channels and everything that's on and make sure that you know there's a there's a clear space here so there's a lot to there's a lot to to be thinking about all the time it's, it's busy i i think yeah i think i'd also like to say that you know obviously once you're in development or production with it one of your ideas with your commissioners i think um it's really useful to think of them as like Julian Fellow's friends and family, asking them what isn't understood rather than, you, you know, because 
actually you they want what's best for the pro i don't believe there's very many examples of commissioners trying to um um destroy programs uh, because of course their reputation comes alongside your success so you're you're in it together um and i think sometimes that's not nice i mean Having sat on both sides of the table, I can often see why, you know, and and I I hate the idea of saying that a commissioner's life is very busy. I think I I think what it is is a commissioner's life is busy like that, whereas production has many more peaks and troughs. So you're con the, the constantness of um of the busy as a commissioner, I think, is is really fascinating. But um but but the but they all love to sit in pitches and hopefully hear great ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think um, the best commissioners that I've worked with in the past are the ones who actually um, kick an idea around in the room. So you actually, you go in with an idea and you you can be passionate about it, and you've got a you know a, a net, you've got the program based in your head. But actually, when the commissioner, because they also know what's on their slate, they don't want something that's very similar to something else that's there but they can see a way that adding a bit of originality or taking it on another slant or you know if it's a factual program maybe a, a, giving it a different shape to the idea or focusing more on one personality in that idea then you actually can come away so it, I think that's a really good point that you shouldn't think a pitch is a sales you're not you're not selling brushes to um to somebody you're actually going in there and it is a creative process in its own its own right and it's, an, it's a key one because they know they know their, their <coughs> panel. And I suppose that's one of the things. How important is it for people to know who they're pitching to? Actually, Claire, could you could you tell us some of the kind of the mistakes that you've seen happen because people, you know, go in not knowing the channel, <coughs> the commissioner, or and it is it astonishes me that there's actually quite a lot of people who work in telly who don't don't watch it. Now I worked for somebody who, who pitched me, who told me to go and pitch an idea, which was basically the farm. And, when, <laughs> and it's like, it was, why do we put celebrities on a farm? And they have to work on a farm and they get, you know, there's people voting, things like that. And I said, well, that's the farm. And she said, well, is that on the television? Is that been on the television? And it was, it's on tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> it Wonder where they got the idea from. <laughs> <laughs> they were drinking the brandy. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> so Claire, what are the kind of the mistakes that people make when they go into that that first pitch and not, you know? I think I think um oh, I, that's really difficult because there's all sorts of mistakes you can make. And I think it's not about what mistakes you make, it's about how you act in the in the light of those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um so you know, um particularly in today's world, I don't think any when I started commissioning, I would have expected everybody to know what was on the channels that I was commissioning. I just don't believe that's um, completely possible nowadays. I think that that you might make mistakes because there is so much television on that it's really difficult to know. So I think uh, in that context, it's all about how you recover from a mistake like that and um, um, you know maybe ask if there's a way that it would work on the channel that you're on or listening to what what they're saying because actually uh, commissioners have 
they, they've got a different prism that they're looking at the world, the, the, the industry through, they're looking at it through their channel and you're wanting to make a program for their channel. Therefore, they've got lots of um, data and information and insight that, that, that you could never have. So although it's good to know what they've commissioned last and what sort of things they like and, mm -hmm. uh, and all those things, um, actually, I think it was our first meeting um, it's as, as wise to listen and say, you know, I've, I've got these ideas, I'd be really interested to know what you think of them, they might not be right for you at the moment, but that would be as useful as knowing what's wrong about them, because at the end of the day, a, a good working relationship with a commissioner is a collaboration. Yeah, I was just going to say it's very much about communication, isn't it? You want to be having conversations often. And but when we were talking about concepts earlier, whilst you maybe wouldn't pitch them formally, it's great to just have chats informally as often as possible so that you can be saying as a producer or writer, this is something I'm thinking about exploring. And then we can say quite early on, well, actually, we've got X, Y and Z in that area or that's not really somewhere that we're interested in going at the moment. So it's just about having conversations and and listening to, to what's out there and what you know is coming up. And yeah, you absolutely can't be watching everything that's on TV, but I suppose knowing the audience that you're targeting and what channel they fit in with, making sure that you're pitching the idea to the right person um, feels important. And is that, it's, it's your role, Steph, a lot about, you know, keeping that communi communication going? Because it used to be, back in the day getting in front of a commissioner and getting that intelligence was a more difficult now that we're yeah. all on zoom and things like that and we can we can uh, we can you know geography isn't as important anymore do you feel that running communication so actually all the pressure on a, an individual moment of pitching is, isn't a be-all and end-all it's actually just developing over a period of time and yeah. getting that information sharing well, I suppose there's always going to be that point when you send something in and it's a formal pitch and there's a, a yes, no, maybe answer. But absolutely, I'm sort of here on the ground in Scotland and there's there's one of me around the country. Um, and the idea is that we can just be in more constant dialogue and we are sort of able to respond faster. And I work really closely with Gaynor, who's the commissioning editor for Scotland. So we'll be in constant conversation. But I might be able to talk to an indie more regularly, or I might be able to just get back to them, you know, that day on email, whereas Gainer might be traveling or in a world of kind of edits or whatever. And it's just really handy to have that person who can has a faster response rate because everything does move so quickly. Uh, well, at the beginning anyway. Um, so yeah, so hopefully that's, that's um, a positive about my role and, and the, other assistant commissioners around the country, we can just sort of be there on the ground talking to people and making sure that communication is really fluid so that when you come to pitch an idea, you know there's actually a clear space for it. And what was, uh, it's interesting we're, we're talking about, you know, um, you know that you should know your channel and, you know, and, and know what's on the television, but it's really, really hard to do that now. But I wonder, I think that um, our industry is becoming more hit-based. You know, you need to have a hit 
in the same way, you know, it's all almost like pop music in that you need a big, bold idea that strikes through. And I was wondering, how how important is it to actually surprise a commissioner now? Because last, last week there was a commission announced which blew my mind because of its dark genius, which was whatever happened to Bubbles, which we'll see Ross Kemp um, looking into, uh, you know, where whatever happened to Michael Jackson's monkey bubbles and the other zoo animals, what happened to Michael Jackson's zoo? Now that's going to, I think it's a feature length and it's on ITV. Now I would never have considered pitching something like that to ITV because of, you know, what I know about the factual output in the past. I, I love Ross Kemp dearly. He's, I've made documentaries with him in the past. I wouldn't have matched that pair. But then when I saw it on paper, I just thought, I want to see that. Where is Bubbles? And actually, I know that Ross will find him because he's <laughs> determined. <laughs> so, Claire, how important do you think it is actually just to think, bugger this, let's try and surprise a commissioner? I think that it's interesting because, I, you know, I spent a lot of my time at ITV commissioning things on uh, the digital channels, which I think are a much more... Um, they're much more akin to the world mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Uh, and it was always important to have Bubbles and Ross Kemp mm -hmm. in the digital world because, you know, it has to it, it has to grab your attention because I expect there was maybe five or six commission factual commissions when you read about Bubbles and Ross. Mm -hmm. But that's the one that's grabbed your attention. And and the more we understand what grabs our attention is more it's as likely to grab the audience's attention and I think that we've moved away from a world in which we know best the audiences audiences are so savvy now um in understanding what the what what algorithms are serving them or why they're being um tried and tested with things so I think that um I think it's always been important I think it, as the schedule as the schedule loses its significance, of course, hits are going to become more important. Um, and and I think that is, you know, I think there are lots of us that have been doing that for a long time um, I, in a world where we weren't thinking, oh, if it gets on, if it gets on a channel, it'll be a hit. Um, we've got to make this, but, you know, it's got to punch through. It's got to, you know, be noisy. It's noisy. Yeah, all those things. But, but and I wish there was a less tossy way of saying them, but it's absolutely true. So um, I'm, I'm afraid I've left it a bit late to go to questions, and that's unforgivable. But I've got a few here from um, our uh, guru attendees. And um, so well, actually one of the first questions I was going to say is, um, is there anywhere that you guys have seen uh, where you can actually find examples of really great pitches or decks or sizzles, or is there a way of, you know, looking at the the EPG and just getting a sense of is, is, does the marketing of these things help people get an idea of how they should pitch their decks and sizzles? Yes, I think so. I mean, because if, if if you know a good deck or sizzle is essentially going to be a great marketing tool for an idea, albeit within a very small uh, group of people in that it's the sort of thing that your channel execs will see, your, um, your, your heads of department, your marketing teams, your business teams. If you can sell that idea to them in a short space of time, then 
then um, that is a really good way of um, doing that. And I think that, um, well, I, I mean, I, you know, just coming up with good ideas, that's really... I know. One, one thing that I'd suggest is look on the iPlayer and the EPGs and Netflix and look at the pictures that they use yeah. to sell. So um, uh, when I was working on Killing Escobar, which was a cinema release, then went on to iPlayer, the, the poster became a hugely important um, aspect of the whole marketing of it. And there was a massive conversation about the, the lines of coke we used on it, which is, <laughs> as pictures, we weren't putting coke on a, a poster, but um, it was it was all about, you know, what, what does this picture say? And another brilliant example of that is Murder Trial and the Murder Case, which is a fantastic um, documentary series on BBC. Where look at the picture they used and the pitch line and the billings. And I think that's a good way of just saying that they, you know, big, big putting those those decks together. And don't think that you need to get it all right at that stage. You know, there's marketing teams whose job that is, but but the more that particularly if you've got an aptitude for it, the more that you can do at that stage, I think all those things are really helpful. I'm not quite sure where you can see good pitches. I'm sure there must be, you know, American sites where you can see stuff like that. Um the, the writer's room website is also just from a drama perspective it's oh, a right. brilliant place to go we've got a script library so you can look at tons of scripts that have gone out already and if you're thinking about a sample script for example you can really get to know how different writers write and how stage directions and dialogue differs from one script to another and there's just lots of really useful tools and um, so I would if, if you're coming with a drama hat on I would absolutely urge you to, to go and take a look at the Writer's Room website. Actually, we've, we've got a question on the um, sample script aspect uh, from Paul. Um, he says, when, sub, uh, when you say submitting a sample script, do you mean an entire draft script or just an extract from the script? An entire draft script. So if you're a new writer or new to that commissioner anyway, um, it's always worth sending a full sample script alongside any pitch. Um, because if we don't know your writing, that's that's the kind of the first thing that we go to. We want to get to know your voice and your writing. So make sure who, whatever producer it is that sends it to a commissioner on your behalf, make sure that they find out if the commissioner is familiar with your writing. And if not, that's when a sample script is really important. Um, now, we've got a couple of questions which are about, you know, uh, approaching a production company. So actually, I'll go to you, Claire, on uh, these ones. Um, we've got Miss CV Mastrantonio. I'm, I'm sure I've got that completely wrong, but um, sorry about that. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to find a production company for a game show, then go to pitch it? And it's also, it's like when approaching indie production companies with a fact and idea, how, how would you do it? How, how do you, what's your advice for approaching an indie in the first instance, Claire? Um, I, th I think um, looking at um, similar programmes, finding the production companies that of um, other game shows that you think have been produced well, you know, and uh, some of them, some of them won't be interested in ideas. You just have to accept that. So I wouldn't just, I wouldn't just um, 
think of one production company when and approach them and if, uh, approach them on the basis that um, you like their work and that you've got this idea um, and that you'd like to speak to them about it. You know, the production companies um, will be looking, you know, will be looking for ideas all the time. Some, some will, some won't. Um, um, which reminds me of a great thing that, sorry, I've just got to tell you this. Um, did anybody ever watch the call centre or it was on BBC Three? The guy that ran that team had the most incredible um, thing that he said to all his staff, which I think is so pertinent to pitching, which is some will, some won't, so what next? Which I always thought was brilliant. <laughs> used to use that all the time. So I think that is very pertinent to pitching and finding production companies. Uh, you know, find companies whose work you admire and, uh, and approach them with the idea. And I wouldn't necessarily send the idea in the first instance. I'd get a response before I sent the idea. And actually, there are a few questions, which is something that we probably should have talked about earlier, but how do you approach commissioners? What's the best way to get a meeting for a pitch? I mean, in, in terms of drama, we're in kind of constant contact with production companies in Scotland and across the UK, but we don't... Um, accept proposals directly from writers so we go via uh, indies so if you want to get a meeting with a commissioner if you're a writer you need to get involved with an independent production company first and if you're a producer then you just need to reach out to us via email really um, and we're kind of always looking to engage with with new indies particularly myself in Scotland. I think Claire what about you? Um, yeah I, th I think it's quite difficult you know I think that the reality is that going through production companies if you're not known is is the key um you know I'm very lucky I've been working for over 30 years I've got lots of contacts to our commissioners but if you don't have that um and you're writing cold commissioners I, I'm not sure that that's the best way of selling your project. I think having a having a production company who have the credibility to make the the show that you're wanting to sell is probably a better way. I'd agree as well because I think it's it's key is to you know um, you need to be trusted to be able to deliver these pitches and deliver these programmes and you really need to go via a production company. But there are, and I include um, Two Rivers Media in this, there are production companies, especially in the world of factual, who are willing to listen to ideas and, you know, protect them and, you know, keep a, a clear, clear um, dialogue going on email in the first instance. I mean, and I think that's, I, I absolutely agree. I think that there's lots of production companies that are open to to um, optioning ideas or however, however they do it. Um, and it, you need to just go along and feel your way through that because it is at the end of the day a relationship. That sounds like nonsense. And there's obviously um, ways of making options happen. But I think if you're the individual, I'd hear what the production company have to say and how they're responding to you and if you feel like they're um, at least got some of your 
um, um, uh, some of your um, good self at heart, then then they might be the people to do. If you and if you talk to a few, then you'll know which ones chime better with you. Right, Amber. Getting close to the end of our um, our session, so there's a good question from Aaron Carruthers. Um, I'll put it to you, Claire. First, is there a show or drama that you regret not commissioning? Um, well, I never got offered him. I would have loved to have commissioned Bake Off. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> one that one that I got commissioned. Uh, one that took, I got pitched. Bake Off took years and years to get off the ground as well. It's a famous one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's, there's plenty. I'd have loved to commission Breaking Bad. <laughs> Steph, is there anything? Um, well, I'm I'm relatively new to this, so not yet. But I'm I'm hoping that if we do this again in a year or two, I won't have an answer. I'm hoping I'll just have made it. So, um, yeah. TV I regret scene. not pitching bloody Ross Kemp looking for bubbles. That's <laughs> <laughs> going to be an annoying aspect of my life for quite some time. <laughs> Actually, there's a, a few questions still coming in, so I'll keep going until we're, we're shoved off. Um, Steph, here is a question for you. How important is it to have an agent? Um, it is important very important because if you're working with a production company a lot of the time they don't accept unsolicited scripts so um if you're a writer your first port of call should try should be to try and get an agent and then you're much more likely to get traction with independent production companies again that all comes down to sample script write a script send it to agents and that's how you that's how you get an agent in the first instance or if you've got a kind of theater showcase on invite agents but yeah, having an agent is really key. And when it comes to agents, because I, I don't even know much about this world, should you do quite a bit of research in order to find those people? Because that, I'd imagine it's a bit like production companies. You don't, you know. Yeah, you, yeah, you absolutely. Have conversations with people and you need to make sure there's that kind of, that, that there's a fit there, that it feels right for you. Um, but I would just, in the first instance, get in touch with a load of people and then have as many conversations as you can and then take it from there. The more the more relationships you can forge, the better, because you might cross paths with somebody else down the line, even if they don't become your agent in, in the now. It's always good to kind of meet as many people as possible. And if they're willing to meet you, you should absolutely do that. Fantastic. Right. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very, very much to our speakers, uh, Claire Zolkfer and Steph Fife. It's been an absolute joy. And thanks for making it easy for me. Um, everybody out there, make sure to check out the rest of the Guru Live programme, uh, which is running throughout the week. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion. So please do join the conversation on BAFTA Scotland social channels. So thanks very much and goodbye. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And remember, you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.